we're going to spend a few minutes in God's Word tonight. And as always, when we come to God's Word, I would really invite you and encourage you to follow along with us if you could, so you could uh, grab your Bible, a smartphone, or a tablet, or whatever it is that you might have within real reach uh, right now that could uh, access God's Word. And I would invite you uh, to meet me in Luke chapter 2. A uh, very familiar passage. Where else will we be on Christmas Eve than uh, Luke chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 20? And again, if you don't have a, a Bible with you, uh, I would encourage you to follow along. And you could just do that by as simply as pulling out your phone and Googling uh, Luke 2 ESV, and it'll pop right up for you. But let me pray for uh, our time in God's Word together for just a moment. Father, we, again, thank you for the opportunity to worship you, to worship you tonight. You are worthy of that and so much more. As we come to your word, to a familiar passage, Father, I, I just ask that your spirit would be moving among us to give us fresh eyes to see uh, the amazing glory of the birth of your son and why he came. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Well, much to my wife's dismay, uh, I am notoriously terrible uh, at opening presents. Now, what I mean by that is uh, that no matter how excited I am to open what I know is already in a box, or uh, no matter how awesome the gift might be, or uh, no matter how excited the person who's giving me that gift might be to give me that gift, uh, I just don't react at all. I just don't like surprises. I, I, don't, I just don't react at all to whatever is in that box. And so, obviously, that isn't extremely popular among my family. And in fact, you could probably look around your family tonight, the people sitting around you, and uh, you know how each of those people react to opening presents. Uh, You can point down the row of of who's with you and say, well, that person overreacts, that person underreacts, that person uh, is like Andrew, he doesn't react at all. And so as we come to Luke chapter 2 tonight, what Luke chapter 2 shows us is the gift of our unbelievable Savior. And so as we look at uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, for just the next few minutes, I want you to ask yourselves one question. How do I react to the gift of our unbelievable Savior? How do I react to the gift of our unbelievable Savior? We want to start by reading the passage. So if you can follow along, if you have it in front of you, look with me at Luke chapter 2, and here's what verses 1 through 20 say. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. 
And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it was told them. The great thing about this passage is this is not just a Christmas passage. This is a deep gospel-filled passage because in this passage, we see an unbelievable need and we see an unbelievable announcement. and We also see an unbelievable response. So that's what we're going to look at for the next few minutes. And first, the unbelievable need. We all know the story. I mean, this is one of the most familiar passages in all the Bible. Like I, like I said, we, we know that when uh, Caesar sent out this decree saying that everyone's got to be registered because, of course, you know, this is the government. We want our taxes. We want our money. So here's what I need you all to do. Everyone living in the Roman Empire, you've got to travel to the, the town of your ancestors where your family's from, and you've got to register to pay your taxes. I'm sure that went over great, as we can imagine. But, of course, we know that Mary and Joseph got caught up in this. So they've got to make the 90-mile the trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem that wouldn't have been a very pleasant trip under any circumstances, but Mary's very pregnant here. She's ready to give birth, and of course we know the rest of the story. We know that she gets to, uh, to Bethlehem, they get there together, and there is no room left in the inn. And so they get relegated out to the barn or the, the, the cave or the, the, the sheep pen, whatever you want to call it. They're having to spend the night with the animals, and uh, of course, perfect timing, Mary goes into labor. She has her baby. She delivers this baby boy. She wraps him in swaddling cloths, and she lies him in a manger. Again, we know the story. But of all that I just mentioned, everything everything I just mentioned in this, this passage, none of that is the most unbelievable need in this passage. We could say, well, you know, it is an unbelievable need to want to be free from the rule of the Roman Empire. We, we could say that it's a great need to want to have lower taxes. We could say that uh, it would have been awesome for them to have a better mode of transportation so she doesn't have to make this 90-mile journey as, as a pregnant woman. And of course, we could say it's an incredible need uh, for a baby to have much better shelter than, than a stable or a cave or whatever it is that they find themselves in. But none of that is the greatest need that we see in this passage. The greatest need we see in this passage is that all of humanity is separated from God and they need to be saved from their sins. In verse 8 of Luke chapter 2, we're introduced to the shepherds. These shepherds had an incredibly important job. The scholars tell us that they're probably Levitical shepherds, which means uh, these were the men that were responsible for caring for and raising uh, the sheep that would be then sent to the temple to be sacrificed for people's sins. They had an important job, but the thing is, these shepherds couldn't go to the temple themselves. They were, in their culture, they were the outcasts of their time. They were the, the lowest of the low. In this Jewish uh, cultural system that, uh, that said you had to be ceremonially clean to enter the temple, they could never go there. The shepherds, again, were on the outside looking in. They couldn't even be around the people that could go to the temple because then those people couldn't go to the temple because those people would be unclean. So in every way imaginable, these shepherds are separated from God. They didn't belong in the religious places. Do you feel that way? You ever feel like you don't belong in church, that when you walk into a church service, you, you, you feel people's eyes come to you because you don't, you don't belong here. And you think, man, they know what I've done in my past. They, they know what I'm really like. They, they know I don't fit in with these people. First of all, I want to say, we're glad you're here tonight. But I also want to say, you're not alone. Scripture tells us that 
all of us have been separated from God. The problem in this passage isn't just being ceremonially unclean in some religious system. It's the fact that, that sin's reach has reached every human heart and has totally corrupted us. We're all on the outside looking in, just like these shepherds were. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve sinned against God. They, they turned their backs on him. They rebelled and they disobeyed. And it plunged everyone and everything into sin and brokenness. In Luke chapter 2 here, it says that, that Caesar's decree went out to all the world. Because, of course, again, like we said, it's the government. They, they want to make sure they get every last penny of, of taxes. So it went out to all the world. But really, when it says all the world there, it only means the people that were living in the Roman Empire under Caesar's rule at that time. But here's the thing. Sin's reach reaches further than Caesar's reach. Because sin's reach has reached to every human heart that has ever lived. Every single one of us, again, has sinned against God. And because he's perfectly holy, we stand before him and the punishment for our sins is eternally in hell. These shepherds couldn't get to God by somehow cleaning themselves up to please some religious system. They needed God to come to them. And so do we. They needed an important announcement. And we find that unbelievable announcement in verses 9 through 14. Because for these shepherds, it was just like a normal day at work, just like every other day, uh, until it wasn't. Now these men were in the middle of the, in the night and they were keeping watch over their sheep and, and suddenly they got scared out of their minds because an angel appeared in the sky. And these are men who don't scare easy. These, men, these are men that are used to working at night. They're used to uh, fighting off robbers and thieves and wild animals to protect their flocks. But when an angel shows up in the middle of the sky, in the middle of the night, that's a whole nother level. And these men are absolutely freaked out. But the angel's not there to hurt them. This angel is there with an unbelievable announcement. He's there with good news. He first says, fear not, breathe, pick yourself up off the ground. It's going to be okay. I'm not here to hurt you. I've got good news for you. I've got great news. In fact, I've got unbelievable news. The greatest news that you will ever hear in your life. I want you to know, shepherds, that your Savior has been born tonight. Your Savior has come. He's, he's here. In addition to uh, not really responding well to opening presents. I'm also well known in our household for trying to snoop around and find out what my presents are ahead of time. I use all the normal strategies that everyone uses. I'll, I'll pick them up. I'll see how heavy they are. I'll, I'll shake them, see what kind of noise they make. I've been known occasionally to open emails from Amazon that were not intended for me because I'm curious about what might be coming to our house. I've been known to maybe scroll through our bank statement and see where some shopping has been done to see if that gives a, gives a clue. The reason I do all this is because I don't want to wait to find out what's in those presents under the tree. I want to know now. I want to know what's in there because I want to know, is this something that's worth me getting excited for? Am I going to be really happy about what's in this present? Is it something that I'm going to enjoy? There's no need to do that with God. God is very clear and upfront in this passage. We don't need to wait to find out what, this, what is in this packaging of a baby boy. These angels say right away, gentlemen, this is your Savior. You don't need to wait 30 years till he goes to the cross to, to find out how things play out. I'm telling you right now, get excited because this is the man who has come to redeem your souls. What an unbelievable announcement for an unbelievable need. Emmanuel, God with us, your Savior has come. We had an unbelievable need. We were separated from God because of our sins, but Jesus, God himself, temporarily set aside his glory in heaven 
to take on human flesh and come to this broken, messed up world and to live among us. He did that for you and he did it for me. He grew up and he lived the perfect life that we could never live. And he then went to the cross and and died the death that we deserve. He died in our place to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be saved. Because the reality is that the sheep that these shepherds are raising to to go to the temple and be sacrifices for people's sin, those sheep could never save anyone. They were just a picture of what was to come. They were a picture of what was to come in the form of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They were a picture to come of this Jesus that the shepherds are being told, now you go find him. This is your Savior. He has come. And the angel makes it very clear that this announcement is good news for all people, not just the stuck-up religious people, not just the people who had access to the temple that had all of their lives cleaned up and, and everything was working out great, No, this announcement was for all people. Not just, again, those people, the the normal people, the people that know what it's like to struggle through life and to to struggle with sin and battle sin in their lives and and have real broken families and and not having things working out so well for them. It's for those people, all people, the shepherds, you, me. That's what is such a good news. An angel tells the shepherds that they can go see this Savior for themselves. And as he gives them that information, you can go find this shepherd, this Savior yourselves, shepherds. Then the the sky was filled with a multitude of angels that they decided to have a, a worship service right there. And it says they were glorifying and praising God. And they were saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Not the cheap, fragile kind of peace that comes from a compromise among friends or arbitration by attorneys or negotiations by world leaders. No true peace between God and man that can only come because a baby was born in a manger who went to become the lamb on the cross to shed his sins, to satisfy God's wrath against our sin. That kind of peace. The Christmas carol had it right. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to our newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. That's what's so unbelievable about this announcement. It's an announcement that God and sinners can be reconciled. And because it's such an unbelievable announcement, then we should naturally have an unbelievable response. And so then in the last few verses here in 15 through 20, we find three unbelievable responses by these shepherds. We basically see them saying, let's go. We see them saying, let's tell. And we see them saying, let's worship verses 15 and 16, when the angels left, the shepherd's immediate reaction was to say, let's go to Jesus. They don't just take this announcement as a helpful information or a nice thing to know. They said, no, we're going we're gonna to run to Jesus right now because our Savior has been born, and that's the only right reaction. Just picture this scene. It wasn't like the wise men. They didn't have a star to lead them to where this baby was. Angels didn't give them some GPS uh, address for uh, an address in Bethlehem that they could plug into their GPS and would lead them right to it. No, they had to go looking for this baby. The only information they had was, it's a baby, he's in swaddling cloths, and he's lying in a manger, so go find him. Just imagine these rough, outcast shepherds uh, going through the streets of Bethlehem with urgency in the middle of night, uh, pounding on doors saying, where is this baby? Excuse me, I'm sorry to wake you up, but have you seen a baby? Is there a baby that's been born in, in, your, in your shed out there? I, I want to know. I want to worship this. It's our Savior. 
can imagine the doors being slammed in their face. You bunch of crazy shepherds. What's wrong with you? Get back out in the fields where you belong. But it didn't matter to them. They knew their Savior had been born, and they were determined to go to him no matter what it took. What about you? Your Savior has come. Your Savior's been born. Have you run to him for salvation? Again, the Bible is clear. You cannot save yourself. You cannot find your own way to God. The only way to be saved is to turn from your sins, to repent of your sins, and and place your faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross. And his arms are wide open with grace tonight, inviting you to do just that, to, to turn from your sins and place your faith in him. You can pray to him where you are. You can come talk to someone after the service about what that would really mean, what that looks like in your life. But that's the good news of Christmas that a baby has come and he was your savior and he has come to save you if you will turn to him. Once the shepherds got to Jesus, in verses 17 and 19, they, they say, let's tell. They didn't keep this news to themselves. How could they? This was the greatest news that had ever, has ever come to earth at all. This is an unbelievable announcement. How could they keep it to themselves? They, they tell everyone around them that our savior has come. We want you to know this. They were in awe of the fact that these men who were separated from God would have a way back to God through a baby that had come for them. And so I wonder, are you still so in awe of the fact that your Savior has come for you that you just can't keep your mouth shut about it? That you want to tell everyone that you know that my Savior has come and he's come for you too? Or are you so familiar with this passage that it's lost its wonder in your eyes? That it's old news to you? But it's not worth it. They didn't just say, let's go and let's tell, though. In verse 20, on their way back to the fields, they say, let's worship. They picked up right where the angels left off, and they, they were glorifying and praising God. Again, what an unbelievable response to an unbelievable announcement. What an appropriate response to having come face to face with their Savior. And just like us, these shepherds would have had plenty of options for things to worship that would have taken the place of God in their life. They could have poured themselves into their jobs and said, we, we raised the best sheep in Israel, so we're going to pour ourselves into this business. It's going to become our idol. We're going to worship it, and this is going to be our identity. This is what we're going to be about. Now, they could have been looking for uh, a political figure because uh, the, they didn't want to be under the Roman Empire, and so they, they could have looked for a, po- a political figure that they thought would come and make everything right. And they could have poured themselves into to following him and worshiping him. But then they met their Savior. And the moment they met him face to face, they said, this, this, this news, this is what's worshiping, worth worshiping. He alone is worth following and worshiping. He alone is, is the best thing that this world can ever give us. He alone can redeem us from our sins. And so they worshiped him. In a moment, the worship team is going to come and lead us in one last song. But I want to ask you one more time. How do you react to the gift of our unbelievable Savior? How will you react to the fact that God has come to redeem you, to save you, to come in the form of a baby who would go to the cross to to die for your sins? How will you react to that? You can just imagine decades later after this passage, I imagine these old shepherds gathered around the campfire somewhere outside of Bethlehem and 
A five-year-old child runs up and tugs on the sleeve of one of those shepherds and says, Grandpa, will you, will you get, tell us that story again? And this smile comes across the wrinkled old face of a shepherd and says, oh, I wish you could have been there. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember the night that I met my Savior, and I wish you could have been there. And I wonder, could you sit with your kids or your grandkids or your neighbors or your friends or your spouse and say the same thing? Could you say, I wish you could have been there. I remember it like it was yesterday. 2020 was such an unbelievably terrible year. You wouldn't believe it. It was long before you were born, but it was a terrible year. But then I met the Savior. He was my only hope. And I hope you'll meet him too. I, I, he's a good Savior. He's an incredible Savior. I, I hope you'll put your faith in him because he saved my sins. And he can save you too. So let's worship him and let's never keep our mouths shut about who this Savior is. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the incredible gift of your Son, an unbelievable Savior who has come for us. Father, lift our eyes to him in worship. He alone is worthy. If there's people here tonight that don't know him as their Savior, Father, I ask that your Spirit be working on their hearts to tear down uh, any walls that they've put up to to prevent them from uh, acknowledging you and bowing the knee to you, Father. What an unbelievable Christmas it would be for you to save someone here tonight, Father. You can. You paid the penalty on the cross, Father. And so we ask expectantly that, that you would be working in our hearts even now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.